Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Hey, big welcome to church. If you're a guest with us this morning, got a few, around, a few of you around, you're welcome. Uh, you can come hang out with us anytime. We're a fun group of people to hang out with and uh, just chill with God. With If you're watching online, big hello to everybody that's watching online this morning. I know we've got a few uh, people away with the vid. Um, and uh, also a big hello too. Um, I'm just going to jump on my time machine and go forward. If you're listening to this on the podcast afterwards, big hello to you as well. He's going to trip somebody out during the week. Oh, he said hello to me. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm Josh, and along with the team, uh, we lead here uh, at Activate uh, Christchurch. I said last Sunday that I couldn't do what I do without my wife, and that's very true. Uh, but we also couldn't do what we do without our team. We have an amazing team of people. In fact, everybody here is, is, is super awesome. I love Activate Christchurch, um, and it's a privilege to... To lead here, and actually, this this coming week uh, on Thursday is our three year anniversary. Uh, leading here, it's easy. Oh yes, thank you, thank you. Um, it's easy to remember because uh, I got prayed in as pastor of this church on Darcy's birthday when she turned six. And this Thursday, she tells me and has told me every day for the last month uh, that she's turning nine. So I did the math, that's, that's three years. So uh, quick show of hands, who was here on that Sunday three years ago? All right, and then quick show of hands, who wasn't here on that Sunday? Three, yeah, okay, that's good. So you guys don't know what you're going to get this morning, uh, maybe as much. But um, if you want to bless me with a gift, uh, Liz has asked for bacon. Um, not chocolates or flowers, but just bacon. Uh, actually, I was, I was at a pastor's dinner oh, like a year ago. A whole bunch of pastors there. And I ended up sitting beside this pastor who hates bacon. And bacon came up in conversation. It usually comes up in conversation. And, uh, and he just went on this bacon rant, man, about how bacon's filled with carcinogenics and about how he doesn't touch bacon and how he doesn't let his kids anywhere near bacon. I was like, far out, but you got a fun church. And um, he's like, I don't, I don't go within six feet of bacon. And I was sitting there thinking, dude, I'm like 40% bacon right now. <laughs> so you might want to move to like the other side of the table, so... You can never go wrong um, with bacon. Hey, if you have got your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to open them up. We've got a problem with the PowerPoint, so you're going to have to rely on your own Biblies. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It's okay. I'll wait. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. All right. Uh, normally, when... Um, somebody gets up to preach, they kind of warm the congregation up and then they kind of go into their message and then maybe at some point they might drop a couple of, you know, bam, hard truths. Uh, But I just feel in the mood this morning to just start there. Is that okay? So um, just put on your big girl pants, put on your big boy pants um, because we're just going to have some honest conversation this morning, I think. Uh, Because God's been having some honest conversations with me and I need to take it out on somebody. So... um, if you're here at church, here's the first one, bring your Bibles, man. Like, bring your Bibles to church. Like, we come here together as a family to worship God and to uh, commune together and to study His Word. Bring your Bibles to church. I could say anything up here. You guys wouldn't know. Bring your Bibles to church. Some of you would have heard the story. Uh, one day, this uh, couple invited their pastor around for tea. And because he was their pastor, 
They thought we'd better put out the, bud, the, the good cutlery, the good china, put out the good tablecloth, you know, made a really nice meal. And they had a nice time with their pastor. And then afterwards, uh, their pastor left and they're cleaning up. And the wife says, hey, Dave, that's her husband's name. She said, I think, I think the pastor stole one of our spoons. And Dave says, no, he didn't. She said, look, we've got three forks. We've got three knives. There's a spoon missing. I think he stole one of our spoons. Dave says, don't you dare say anything to him, you crazy old coot. He did not steal one of our spoons. Well, she turns the house upside down. She knows he stole one of her spoons. And every time she goes to church on a Sunday, she hears him preach. She says, that's the guy that stole my spoon. She starts to struggle in church, starts to struggle taking this guy seriously. Eventually, she can't handle it anymore. And after a year, she accosts him in the foyer. She says, hey, I don't even care that you stole it. What's driving me crazy is why you stole the spoon. He said, I didn't steal it. I put it in your Bible. How many of us, be honest, how many of us would take a while to find the spoon, right? Maybe a week, maybe a month, ish. Bring your Bibles to church. If nothing else, it helps you remember where you put it last. I'm going to be honest, there are some times, this is honest, I have come to church to preach. And I'm like, where the heck is my Bible? And Liz is like, when did you read it last? I'm like, oh, don't ask me that question. Like, that's just, you know, find it somewhere. Kids take it, it's already been moved. Bring your Bibles to church. I, I just want to, before I kind of get into the Bible, I just want to be really clear about this. You have to, you have to read your Bible. You know, my, my job here is to equip us and train us along with the team and encourage us and inspire us to do what God is calling us to do. It's not my job to necessarily feed you week in and week out. We all understand the concept, right? If you don't feed your body, your body starves. We all understand that. It's the same with your spirit. If you don't feed your spirit, your spirit starves. It is insane to think that you can live your life, come to church on a Sunday morning and then go home and not connect with God and not take responsibility for your own relationship and not read your Bible and everything will be okay. Do you wanna hear a really unattractive analogy? You'll see where I'm going with this. Has anyone ever seen a mother bird feed its babies? You know what they do? Right, the mama bird goes out, the papa bird goes out, they eat the worms, they eat the bugs, they come back to the nest, their babies open their mouths, and the birds regurgitate what they've eaten into the mouths of their chicks. There are so many Christians surviving off regurgitated revelation from the front. It's gross. It's not meant to be like that for too long at all. I got no problems people coming to church and being inspired and being encouraged. But even if you go home, you don't do anything during the week. I sent my kids down uh, during the week. I do this periodically when I feel like in a teaching mood. I say, kids, kids, children of mine, come, sit, sit, listen. And I put them down on the couch. And when I used to do it, they, they would just come in because we just love dad. But now just as 12, I'm spotting eye rolls. Like, come sit down. The other two come in just like, oh, dad. And I sat them down and I say, hey, so Harrison is 10, Darcy's 8, Jess is 12. I sat them down this week. I said, listen, you have to take responsibility for your own relationship with Jesus. It's not my job. I said, I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to lead you. I'll encourage you. I'll answer any questions you've got. But I can't connect you to Jesus. You've got to make that decision yourself. You guys got to be reading your Bibles, I said to them. You've got to be spending time with Jesus, you know, carving time out of your week to connect with him, pray with him. And these are like little kids. I just want to be real clear with my kids. It's not daddy's job to live your Christian life for you. It's your job. And it's the same with us. I would go so far as to say that I don't think it is possible for anyone to really uncover who they are in Christ and what 
their purposes and their plans are that God has for them without a regular and consistent Bible reading habit. So I'm going to lay it out there. It's got nothing to do with salvation. It's got nothing to do with whether you're a Christian or whether you're not or whether you're saved or whether you're not. But if you want to really unpack what God has got for your life, you're not going to get it surviving off my vomit every Sunday. Ugh, that's gross. All right, let's move on. Just putting it out there. If I can lecture my kids, I can lecture you guys. And also, God hit me over the head with it uh, as well. So like I say, you're getting what God gave me. All right, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. You got your Bibles? Everyone says yes. Even if you've got your phones out, you pretend it's on your phone. Uh, one day. Here's the plan for this morning, right? I'm going to read this passage of Scripture out, and then I don't know what's going to happen next because I tried to put a message together, and God was super unhelpful. And, and he was just like, eh. And I was like, we could do this, we could do that. He's like, eh. And in the end, I was like, well, what are we going to do? He said, well, wait till you get up there, which I hate because I don't know what's going to happen. And I have a naughty streak. And often, when I don't know what's going to come out, something naughty comes out. So uh, let's see if you can spot the point where I've got no idea what's coming next. All right. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. So we're working our way through the book of Acts, 30 years that changed the world, although at the speed at which we're working through it, it's going to take us 30 years to get to the end of it, but that's okay. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. So what we've got here, uh, we're going to unpack the first kind of recorded miracle that was done by the apostles without Jesus kind of in charge. He sent them out when he was in charge. They did miracles. They healed people. They, they cast demons out. But it was always under his authority, under his watch, under his influence. But at the start of uh, the book of Acts, he gets taken up to heaven. And this is the first time we see the, the, the disciples on their own doing something amazing. There's a law in the Bible called the law of first mention. It means that any time you see something in the Bible for the very first time, it's extra significant. This is extra significant because it's the first time we see the disciples performing a miracle with the power of God inside of them as opposed to uh, next door to them. So verse 2, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. It's a nice name for a gate where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So what's happened here is this beggar's been carried to the gate. He's been put down. He's obviously paralyzed, so he's not standing. He's sitting there. Maybe he's got his legs out in front of him. Maybe he's holding a bit of board that says, you know, money for the poor or money for food or whatever it might be. And he sees people walking into the temple but he's not making eye contact with them. He's rattling his can. So he sees Peter and John coming, and as they get close, he kind of head down, rattles his can, and they stop in front of him, and Peter says, hey, look at us. Next verse, verse five. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. I'm a pastor. But what I do have, ah, it's a pastor's joke, sorry. Silver of God I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging 
at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's a lot of stuff that we could unpack in this Bible verse, right? There's a lot of stuff in this Bible passage that we could camp around. We could camp around the fact that this miracle, this law of first mention, the first time this happens ever without Jesus kind of around or in charge, it happens outside church, not inside the church walls, outside the church walls. We could have a whole message about how this right here is awesome. We love coming together. We love worshiping God, but this is not church. We are the church, and church happens outside the walls. That's where we're supposed to be encountering God, to go back to the point I made before. You have to be encountering God in your own space. Do you know how many uh, hours a week we have? We have 168 hours in a week, and two of them are spent here at church. That is 1.2% of your week. 98.8% of your life happens outside the walls of this church. So if we just apply the law of averages, 98.8% of all of your God encounters, your God experiences, uh, you know, your time with God should be happening outside church. That makes logical sense. You say, oh, well, Josh, but church is extra special. It's extra spiritual. It's just extra easy to connect with God at church. I'd say, all right, fair enough. Let's double it. Let's say that you have a two to one ratio. You get twice as much God connection here as you do out in the world. Well, that bumps it up to 2.5% of your week, right? Let's quadruple it. Let's say you have four times as much connection with God here on a Sunday morning than you do out in the world. Well, a healthy average would be then sort of 5 or 6% here. You get where I'm going. It's got to happen out there. I was up in Auckland last Friday, and a guy called Don was speaking, and he told this story. He said he was at a pub a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. And he said he was in a pub with a friend of his. So he's a pastor and his friend was a pastor. And they're having a drink. You say, oh my gosh, Christian's in a pub having a drink. Yeah, yeah, get over it. Um, And uh, I'm sure they weren't drinking to excess. I'm sure they weren't being irresponsible, but they were having a drink. Uh, It's good for the stomach. And that's a Bible. Read your Bible, you get all those verses. You can justify anything. Um, uh, Jokes. (laughs) So the... Okay, you all laughed way too much at that bit and not at the serious bits. Um, so they're in this pub, they're having a drink and they go to leave and just as they go to leave, this guy Don looks across the pub and there's a huge unit over by the bar, big guy. Obviously some kind of biker, he's got a beard, you know, he's got sunglasses on inside. It's already kind of dimly lit in the pub but he's wearing sunglasses, tattoos, big jacket, big unit and just as he looks at him, he feels like God says to him, go tell him that I love him. And so he turns to his mate and he says, ah, oh, God's just told me to go tell that guy that he loves him. His mate says, don't do that. This is a Christian pastor. You'll get punched in the face. He says, well, I just, you know. And he says, and that's not very specific, is it? Like, it, it would be very easy to discount that as I just thought that. Like, God loves everybody. It's not, like, how is that really going to spin their wheels? I have told people, uh, random people at restaurants and stuff that God loves them. I had one of the most awkward encounters of my life at a uh, Five Stags restaurant out in Rangura. I got all inspired by this girl that came over. I was eating dinner with wife, with wife? Yeah, with my wife. And she came over and I said, hey, Jesus loves you. And she goes, who? 
I said, Jesus. She said, Jesus. I said, no, Jesus. We had this wild interaction where she just didn't know what I was talking about. And I swear I saw Liz die on the inside, like just watching it. I turned all red. I was like, you know, Jesus, he, Jesus, like the son of God. She's like, oh, Jesus. Well, what are you not? Anyway, I noticed that she assigned another waitress to our table and never came back. And I was so thankful about that because I was just more, and Liz was like, please don't ever do that again. So that's not overly specific, right? To just be like, hey, God loves you. But he felt like God told him to do it. And so his mate, really supportive, said, look, you can go do it if you want, but I'm not going to watch you get beaten up. So I'll go sit in the car and wait. So his mate goes and sits in the car and he rocks over to this guy and he kind of taps him on the shoulder and the guy kind of turns around and stands up and oh my gosh, he's even bigger in person. And he says, hey man, just, this is weird, uh, you know, kind of apologizing in advance. I just wanted to tell you that God loves you. And this guy stiffens like a board. And he says, who told you to say that? And this guy, Don, goes, oh, man, like, uh, God? God told me to say that? And he goes, no, no, who told you to say that? Like, real aggressive. And Don's like, oh, this is not going the way I wanted to go. He said, dude, I'm being serious. Just like God told me to come tell you that he loves you. And then he sees a tear rolled down this guy's face. And what had happened was this guy who's rough as guts, like not living you know, a, a Christian lifestyle, not in relationship with Jesus, but his mum is. His mum's praying for him. And the day before, he's round at his mum's house. And as he goes to leave, she says, hey, hun, you know, God loves you. And it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And he turned on her and he said, stop telling me that God loves me. You've been telling that all my life. I'm so sick of hearing it from you. If someone else comes up to me and tells me that God loves me, if a random stranger comes up and tells me, then I'll believe it. But I don't want to hear it anymore from you. And then the next day, a guy walks up to him in a pub and says, hey, just got to tell you that God loves you. Like totally transformed this guy's life. Is that guy in a million years going to walk into a church building on a Sunday morning? Not unless a miracle happens in his own spiritual awakening. You know, Jesus said, I haven't come to you know, connect with the healthy, but with the sick. Guys, we've got to get out there. That's where all the fun happens. Like, this is fun, but that's like, I hear stories like that and I say, oh God, I want to be able to tell stories like that. Not my horrible waitress story where I just about killed myself afterwards. I'm like, why, why do you give me such like embarrassing failures all the time to tell people? I want like raging successes. Like, I love church. I love coming to church. I love worship. I love all that kind of stuff. I love all of you. But we've got to get it into our heads. This is not what it's about. It's about out there. There's a whole world that needs us, needs the God in us. Um, and we've got to start taking responsibility for our own stuff, you know? So I could have talked about that, but I decided not to. Um, I could have talked about the fact that Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In other words, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold, so I can't give that to you. I think we all understand the logic behind that. I've heard people say, you can't give what you don't have. And I think that's very true. Sometimes I think we put pressure on ourselves to go, oh, well, Josh has told me I've got to go out and tell people about Jesus. And we go out and we're trying to tell, and it doesn't work. And it's because we're not giving out of what we have. We're not giving out of an overflow of this amazing relationship we've got with God. We're doing it out of some sort of religious obligation. We're only one step back from peering up and knocking on doors and handing out tracts. 
It's got to come from overflow, right? But I want to add something to that. I would say, yes, you can't give what you don't have, but you actually can't give what you don't know you have. Peter knew that he had the same power that rose Christ from the dead living inside of him. And because he knew that that was in there, he was able to impart it to someone and get them on their feet after they've been paralyzed. For the Bible says later in the chapter, 40 years. The truth is that all of us have that same power living inside of us. We have it. But we don't know we have it because we don't spend enough time with Jesus. We don't spend time with God. We don't spend time agonizing. I heard someone say the other day, actually I read a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. He said, men used to agonize in the upper room. Now we organize in the supper room. Like how many of you read the notice about the all night prayer meeting and went, ugh, too hard basket. Come on, man. We gotta start putting our money where our mouth is. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. There's another quote that someone said to me this week. I've had a rough week. Um, so I could have talked about that, but, but here's, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this verse. This is actually, I want to release this to the church this morning. I actually think there's a, a word of God that he wants to release. So if you want to receive it, you can take this and actually um, bolt it onto your life. This is not like a tickle your ear moment. It's not like, oh, it's going to be funny and it's going to make me think and we're going to break up into groups afterwards and talk about it and then I'll go home and maybe apply it to my life. This is like, bam, man, take it. All right? Sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me today. This is not how I normally preach. It's the guitar, man. I just like built it all up on the guitar. First time I got to play guitar in church, I've already texted Abel, said, don't come back. <laughs> You're not needed anymore. <laughs> He's probably watching right now. I'd Please, for the love of God, come back. <laughs> um, here's... here's Here's what I felt God highlight to me in this passage this week. Uh, and I actually, without knowing that I was going to be preaching on this, well, I knew I was going to be preaching on it, but I hadn't looked at it when I kind of talked a little bit about this last Sunday. It's verse 5. It says this, like Peter looked straight at the man, and then Peter said, look at us. And then verse 5, so the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And I want to tell you this morning, I really believe that that is what God is saying to each and every one of us. Give me your attention and expect to receive something from me. Do you know what I think the legacy of the last couple of years is? I think there's a lot of people that are tired. There's a lot of people that are burnt out. There's a lot of people that are depleted. I know there's a lot of pastors that are. And pastors aren't actually that unique to anybody else. There's a lot of school teachers that are, and there's a lot of deputy principals that are, and there's a lot of you know, shop assistants that are, and there's a lot of dads that are, and mums that are. Like They've had to homeschool their kids for chunks of the week. and like Everybody's tired. And when you get tired and when you get run down, I think one of the things that drops out of your life is hope and expectation because your focus becomes, I've just got to get through this season. And if I, like full disclosure, that's been a lot of my headspace. I've just got to get the church through this season. Just got to get the church through. Just got to get the church through. And now we come out the other side, and I realize that one of the things that dropped off my life was just expectation for God to do something amazing. Because I was so focused on just the, the administration side of church. It's been so admin heavy. 
We've had to constantly be communicating different changes and unpacking different things and rethinking how we do things. So this is actually, this is what God talked to me about, but I want to talk to you about it. He said, look at me. That's what Peter and John said, look at us. And I feel like God is saying, look at me. Give me your attention and expect to receive something from me. I think a lot of us, myself included, have fallen into the trap of not always looking at him. We look at the waves and the wind around us like Peter did and we start to sink. And I just, I, this is a, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a course correction, I suppose. So it's healthy. You know, when they send space shuttles to the moon, uh, they course correct the whole way there. It's not like they just put in the coordinates and then hit go and away they fly. They go off and then they constantly adjust here, adjust there. Let's just emit a little bit of gas on this side and we'll just go here and we'll go there. They, they literally course correct the whole way to the moon. That's life. And so this is God loving us saying, hey, I just want to bring a little bit of perspective in this place. I want to just bring a little bit of a course correction. Focus on me. Give me your attention and expect to receive something from me. I was up in Auckland, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. And um, actually, a lot of this is probably based on what I saw there and, and kind of what I observed in the room and how I felt. But um, one of the pastors got up, and he's been pastoring for 38 years. I was telling Dan this during the week. And he said, man, I have never seen pastors so tired. He said, I've never seen pastors so exhausted, so run down. He said, we've got an epidemic of pastors leaving ministry he said, there's one town that I know of. He said, nine pastors have left their church in the last six months. Just to be really clear, I'm not one of those guys. Don't worry about, I'm not going anywhere. Drag me out of this place kicking and screaming, especially now I get to play guitar. So, and, and, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, preach, man, preach it. He's like, pastors are tired. I'm like, yes, they are. He said, pastors are feeling run down. I said, oh, amen, brother. You know, and he's, you're speaking my language. He said, you know, pastors need to be cared for. Oh, we need to be cared for. Oh, yes, we do. And then I'm like, this guy, we're on the same page, me and this guy. Like, he's just, he's just pouring out my heart on stage. And then he goes, but let me tell you something. He said, I don't know any pastor that's experiencing a move of God in their life regularly that's tired. And I went, ugh. <laughs> he said, I don't know any pastor that's connecting with God, that's having encounters with God in their bedroom each and every week, that's tired. And I went, who is this guy? You know, like, I loved this guy two minutes ago and now he's making me really uncomfortable. And do you know what? He's right. But it's not just pastors, it's everybody. It's every human being. It's so easy to go, oh, we're tired and we're all this, and I've done it, we're tired, we're run down. Like, all of that's true, but... You're encountering God in your life. You're having massive God encounters. He's pouring into your life. He's leading you beside still waters and making you lie down in green pastures. Those people, those men, those women, they're not tired. They're refreshed. And I realized that what I had let happen in my life over the last couple of months is I'd allowed the running of church and the organization of church and lounge churches, we've got to communicate this, and oh, now we're orange light, and oh, now we're red light, and we're going to get vaccinated and unvaccinated, we're going to do this survey, all of that stuff. It's all good, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't filling myself up. Does that make sense? You know, and who can relate to that? Like you give out, you give out, you give out, and then you kind of, you've got nothing left to give. And 
It's like that with my car. Like, you know, if I, if I drive here and I drive there and I drive there, nothing wrong with any of that kind of stuff. And some weeks I have to do a lot of driving. Kids have got all stuff on. Other weeks I can get by with only having to go out for a couple of days. The, the weeks that I'm busy, they're not bad weeks. I'm not like mismanaging my time. But on those weeks, I run out of petrol faster. But it doesn't matter because at any point, at any stage, I can just pull into a gas station, spend $500 and fill my car back up. You know? <laughs> It's not the, it's not the, it's not spending the, it's not using the petrol that's the problem, right? It's if I never top up my car, that's when we run into issues. And uh, I just felt a real challenge for, I'll get the band to jump back up, that'd be awesome, but not the guitarist. And, oh, no, I thought about it, thought thought about it. Josh plays a little bit of guitar, he's learning. And I love just chucking people in the deep end and then watching what happens. Do it, come on, get up, go on, go on, go on. Just, just, I don't know. Just, just hold it. Good man. That's, that's a, yeah. What, what chords can you play? G. All right, well, that's A because you've got the capo on, so that's fine. Good job. That's all right. Everyone just play, just follow Josh. Watch for the changes and try to keep up. No, seriously, you can just, just, just drum in the background. It's fine. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I'm just giving everyone a chance to just listen. It's nice. Um, all right, I'm losing people. Um, Dan, are you in here? You going to come hang out with us, Denise? I here's 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 what I felt God said to me this morning. I drove into um, church and uh, Gerhard and I have got a uh, like a, a challenge on at the moment where we both challenge each other to pray in tongues for 15, 15 minute block every day. Um, and because uh, we were both having a chat about how we needed to find ways to fill ourselves up, you know, like fill that tank back up and. Uh, I remember hearing someone say that, you know, praying in tongues is a great way to do it. And so I said to Gerhard, you do it and I'll do it. And so we, we only just started this week. And so a great way to, great time to do it is when you're in the car by yourself, right? And not a great time to do it is when you're doing the grocery shopping at the supermarket. But if you're in the car by yourself, like go hundies. And so I was praying in tongues uh, on the way in. It's fascinating because we started doing that on just this week. And the first time I started doing it, uh, I thought, oh, it, you sound so ridiculous. I mean, praying in tongues sounds so dopey. It's so offensive to your intellect. I think God knows that. That's why he gets you to do it. Because the Bible says that your mind is, uh, is enmity against the spirit. Like your mind and your spirit will always fight against each other. Your spirit's always like, let's do this. It'll be awesome. And your mind's like, dude, that'll be stupid. Don't do that. Uh, and so very often, I think God gets you to do things to just kind of build your spiritual muscle and then at the same time weaken your, your mind muscle in some regards. Um, so I'm praying in tongues, and uh, I had this picture of um, of some. How can I describe it? I think I saw this video on on Facebook, and someone had a blocked drain, and they got like a corking gun. You guys know what a corking gun is, with like a crystal, no? And they kind of put the corking gun in in the top bit, and they like shoved all the stuff in, and it pushed all the gunk out of the drain, 
all the, all, this, all this gunk came out. And then they were able to just wash away what was there. And I had this, this very vivid picture of that happening in my life. And I realized that this praying in tongues, I was putting stuff into my life. Um, but it was pushing all the gunk out, which is a little bit confronting. And that's one of the ways that I've just started to try and fill myself up. I mean, the message that you got this morning, you should be worried because that's just after three days of praying 15 minutes a day. I don't know what it's going to be like next Sunday if I do it for another week. Um, I was praying in tongues on the way here and, and I was talking to God about, oh, you know, give me your attention and expect to receive something in return. And I felt this challenge from him. He said, you can get up and you can speak it and you can send people home and, and that'll be all right. This is beautiful guitar playing behind me. And um, he said, or you could just do it. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? Just do it. And he said, just, just do it. So I really don't know what um, we're going to do. But if you were here this morning and you go, you know what, I want I want to receive from Him. I want to receive from God. I want to receive from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here and you've never, as far as you're aware, you've never received the Holy Spirit. Never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe you just like, I want to receive some impartation. I want to receive just some encouragement, whatever it might be. I feel like God is saying, if you give me your attention and expect to receive something, then I'll do a miracle in your life, just like I did in the life of this paraplegic. So, if you want to do that, um, why don't you stand to your feet? And if you want that, come up the front. Just come up the front if you want it. There's no pressure. You don't have to. You might be a, a slow adopter. You might be someone who goes, oh, I need to go away and process through that. And uh, don't feel any pressure to respond just because other people are. Um, and the band's going to sing a song um, that Josh can play. <laughs> you can, honestly, you can just... Don't play the other chords, and then when they circle back around with that chord, just play that real hard out, and then just stop, and then. Um, yeah, so let's just, just so I know who's who's coming up the front, just take a step forward. Um, it's awesome. God, what do you want to do? There's more people. I know I said don't feel any pressure, but um, I think I think he wants to do something significant this morning. Um, and there might not be another opportunity like this for the next wee while. Just park your mind. Don't let that get in the way. Just respond to your spirit. And I want to be really clear too, just so I get myself off the hook. I'm not making any promises about what you'll feel or what you'll experience or what will happen. Maybe someone will pray for you and you'll go home and go, well, I don't know what that was about. When I went up to this conference, here's the thing. I had a mate, he emailed me and he said, hey, I'm going to this conference in Auckland on Friday. And he emailed me on Sunday. Uh, And he said, you should come. And I was like, oh, mate, it's like kind of last minute. It's only a couple of days away. And I looked at flights, and the flights were really expensive. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I can justify that. And then I found some slightly cheaper flights, but the, the flight times were terrible. Like I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning to get there for a 10.30 start, and I couldn't fly back until 10 o'clock at night. And, but I thought, well, you know, that'll, you know, I've got obviously responsibility to the church to not just be frivolous with the money. 
Um, and so I said to him, look, if you can pick me up from the airport and take me there and then drop me back at the end, I'll catch these ridiculous flights and we'll save the church some money and I'll come. And so I went up and it was a, it was a day at a church with some pastors speaking. And the truth is, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all. And even afterwards, we went out for dinner, just me and my mate. He's like, what did you think? I was like, mate, it's not, wasn't really what I expected. He said, what did you get out of it? I was like, I don't, I don't really know if I got much out of it. But in the week and a half since I've been back, I've, I, I realized that I got a lot out of it, even though it's like intangible stuff. Like my spirit picked something up. Um, something woke up again inside of me that had maybe just been having a bit of a rest because it was tired, got woken up again. And so you might come up the front this morning and feel like in the moment I didn't get anything, but I want to encourage you, even if that happens, uh, to go home and spend the time with God during the week and say, look, what did I actually receive? Sometimes you receive from God in a very obvious way. Immediately, I know what I got. Other times you receive something from God and it's like a slow burn. An awareness kind of develops. Actually, I picked that up and I didn't realize it at the time. Okay? So don't, no matter what happens, don't go home despondent. Don't go home and feel like, I didn't get anything. I promise you this, you will receive something. I can't promise what it'll feel like or how you respond, but you will receive something. Okay? All right. Let's just... Um, do what the Bible says. Look at us. Let's just start with that. Let's just look at Him. So right now, without anyone coming and laying hands on you, just in your own space, I want you to just close your eyes. You can do this even if you haven't come up. It's okay. And I want you to just start to focus in on Him. Focus in on Jesus Christ. And I want you to start to, um, as much as you can, Try and develop an awareness of the fact that He is all around you right now. So we look at him, we give him our attention. And then the Bible says, and he expected to receive something from them. What I want you to do now, if you're up the front and you can, I want you to just extend your arms out or one arm out as as if you were going to receive. I want you to adopt, in the physical, I want you to adopt the posture of someone who is about to receive something. Very often what we do in the physical, uh, in the natural world, unlocks things for us in the spiritual. I've heard it said many times, physical obedience releases spiritual stuff. Or physical obedience brings spiritual release would be a more eloquent way of saying that. For some of you that are at the front, I feel like God is actually wanting you to ask for something specific. You've come up the front with something specific in mind. Give me your attention and expect to receive something from me. Some of you, there is a specific thing that you want to receive. So I want you to picture receiving that. For others, you've just come up because you're like, I just want, I want whatever God has for me and I'm not fussy. 
Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your truth. We thank You for Your goodness, God. Lord, I thank You that You are here. Holy Spirit, You are in this house. You're in this room. We don't have to ask You to come and join us. You're already here. Lord, we cannot escape from Your presence. But Father, right now I ask for an ever-increasing awareness of your presence in this place. For those that have come up the front, even for those that are still in the chairs, Lord, that you would just start to open our eyes, God, open our hearts to the fact that you are here in this room with us. as we were worshipping um, last last Sunday, I just felt God was saying that He was here. His Spirit was walking up and down the aisles. And just as Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, they communed with God. His presence was there. And I just felt that God was saying too that we need to just reach out and commune with Him, walk with Him, and obedience with Him. And then later on, I felt that He was saying, expect something. Expect something from me. And just as a witness with what um, Josh was saying, expectation. Expect to receive something from Jesus. Reach out. His presence is here. His presence is here. And this morning on the driving here, I was kind of speaking in tongues as well, just asking God, what do you want to say this morning? And I just felt, uh, just remembering back to that time when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism and God the Father said, this is my beloved Son and Him I am well pleased. I just believe that God is saying this morning that His Spirit is here. Receive from Him. Open up your hearts. Reach out for Him. Praise is the power of heaven. Reach out. talks about uh, Jesus said knock and the door will be opened seek and you will find ask and it will be given to you 
so much of the way that we relate to God is dependent on our expectation that He is a good God, that He wants to give good things to us, that He wants to impart to us, He wants to fill us with His presence. Uh, And I actually think that what we need to do just before we go any further is I think we need to repent of a lack of expectation and a lack of desire, a lack of hunger. In my life, I have allowed the worries of the world, the worries of leading people to come up around me and just rob me of my expectation that he would... Sometimes, church, it's, it's easy to, to lose your personal relationship with God when you're caring about so many other people. Sometimes it feels like I, I lose or I have at times felt that I've missed out on just my own connection with God because of the responsibility of of leading a church. I've had to repent of of that. And and repent, it it doesn't mean you beat yourself up. Repent means just to change the way that you think. It just means you stop and you go, I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm going to think this way. So if you feel comfortable, I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. We're going, to, we're going to pray a prayer of repentance. And whether you're up the front or in your chairs, if this resonates with you, then pray it. And then we're just going to come through. We're going to lay hands on you and just impart the power of God. So if you feel comfortable, just repeat after me. And I'm praying this as much for myself. Just say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I repent of not expecting good things from you. I repent of not expecting your power to flow through my life. I repent from letting the worries of this world choke my relationship with you. Father, forgive me. I choose today to focus solely on you and to expect to receive from my Father. Father, 